I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Tribal chief around here. Yeah, you see me, the tribal chief. That's right. Tell you. Shut your bitch ass up. <laughs> oh. Damn. I mean, I just keep thinking about you. I mean, I want to move on, but I can't move on. It's like you got some kind of hold on me. Talk about it. Listen, I'm sitting looking out the window like, damn, trying to fix the situation that's at hand. It's still running through my mind when I'm knowing that you shouldn't be. Me, I'm on your mind, and I'm knowing that it couldn't be. Cause you ain't gone, I ain't even a pawn. I still got a lot of pain, I ain't dealt with it all. I've been running around with other chicks, I'm single and they loving it, I'm liking it, but I just want the one that I was in love with. That's not the end of it, I'm trying to let you go, I can't get a grip of it, is what I'm trying to let you know. You got a hold of some kind of control of me, I don't know what it is, but I gotta get you gone from me. I'm working at it and it ain't getting no better, just trying to be like, yeah, forget it, whatever. Instead of staring out this glass, looking at this bad weather, damn, I gotta pull myself together, cause when I'm with somebody, all I think about is you.
talked about Me and you had a whole life planned out together And if I could, I would Turn back the hands of time And correct all my mistakes that I ever did But now I guess I gotta move on, right? It's still hard And I still love you to this day Peace Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 379 of the Hoots Podcast. This is your boy, Joshi. Talk to you live on this Thursday, September 21st, 2023. Coming to you from the break-free room here in Chicago, Illinois. Do me a favor. If you're watching this video on YouTube, make sure to like this video. Subscribe to our channel as we're on the road to 1,000 subscribers. We're about 13 away from reaching 500, so... Any support, subscriptions, suggestions <laughs> uh, would help us a lot here on YouTube and uh, expand the reach of our show. We are 21 episodes away from reaching episode uh, 400 of the Hoots podcast, which will be dropping a little bit after February of next year, which is crazy to think how fast this year has been going by. But um, I'm thankful and grateful for each and every single one of you who continue to take time out of your day or week to uh, hang out with this, uh, hang out with us as we record this show and this podcast. If this is your first time watching the Hoots podcast, this is not your atypical pro wrestling podcast where I'm going to come here and break down every little single segment that happens on Raw SmackDown and bore you to death with booking takes. Um, I speak for myself. My name is Josh Lopez. I'm glad to meet your acquaintance and grateful for you for um, taking a chance with us here on the Hoots podcast. Uh, this show is about a lot of things. It's about life. It's about uh, a mental escape. It's about enjoying and embracing the passion that comes with professional wrestling. But it's also here to look at things from a bigger picture point of view, especially with my experience covering the industry for the last 10 years. And uh, this is not your booking podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if, if that's your flavor, uh, there's like, at least a thousand different style of podcasts that uh, fits all your needs for dirt sheet content and booking takes. That's not what we do here on this podcast. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to discuss this week. The world of professional wrestling never stops. Uh, we're on the road at Fastlane. Um, AEW just had their Grand Slam show last night at Arthur Ashe Stadium, which I'll be talking about a little later on in the show. Also, um, you know, big big news dropping today on the good side and on the bad side too. Um, WWE announced today that uh, they're moving SmackDown back to the USA Network starting in the fall of 2024, and uh, potential of having four annual special events on primetime television on NBC, which is pretty cool. But also, there was a little downside today because there was a mass exodus of. Uh, releases today, not only for the uh, performers on the main roster, but also those in NXT. And uh, I guess let's just start out here before we get into the Q and A. Um, when I talk about this topic, because I'm sure the question is going to come up, um, I just want to say first beforehand, I just want to say my thoughts go out to everybody that lost their gig uh, today and lost their job. Um, for those who watched the show, know my journey so far this year and. I make no bones about it. This has been the most frustrating year of my career in the media business, uh, especially being someone who's either furloughed or lost their job. I totally understand the frustration and the disappointment that comes with that, especially myself 
being a fellow independent contractor. Um, seeing that news is really, really unfortunate. I can really relate to the frustration. And um, this this is people's livelihoods that we're talking about here. So when I talk about this, I'm not really going to go over what could have been, what should have been. Again, this is not a booking show. Um, I want to look at this from the most positive point of view, and there's a lot of great opportunity out there in the professional wrestling landscape that doesn't have to be just WWE or AEW. This is not a, a black and white scenario. Um, and I, I don't think this could be the end for a lot of the forms that were released today. You know, um, every new ending comes with a new beginning, right? Uh, whatever that, uh, third eye, uh, not, not third eye, but <laughs> that, uh, semi-sonic song closing time. Uh, I, I need to stop watching that friends with benefits movie with, uh, <laughs> Justin Timberlake and me and Kunis because I, I got that song stuck in my head now. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, I do want to say though, that this is a sensitive situation and there's been a lot of jackasses out there today on, uh, Twitter, um, coming up with their fake reports about who got released and what wasn't the case, who should have been released a lot of stuff about, oh, they, they released this person, but they're keeping Nia Jackson roster and just really shows how pathetic a lot of the size of the wrestling fans are these days which is a utter shame but um to everybody that got released today uh, my thoughts go out to each and every single one of you and that um you guys matter and uh especially for someone like me who's got to cover a lot of the work of a lot of these performers especially like a Dolph Ziggler or Elias etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, I covered about over 500 of their matches and um, you know, it, it's a really sucky side of the world of entertainment and independent contracting, you know, nothing's linear and nothing's ever lasting forever. So um, my thoughts go out to everybody that lost their gigs today and um, um, keep your head up. I want to say really quick before we get to the questions as well, as you guys are tuning in, uh, you guys could obviously follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. The Hoots Podcast drops you each and every single Thursday anywhere you your podcast from. That is Spotify. What? Apple Podcasts. What? Amazon Music Now. What? Pandora. What? Google Play. What? iHeartRadio. What? <laughs> uh, how about this one? How about... um? I heard this. Uh, heard the podcast is now available on the Odyssey app. And then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of places you can check out the Who's Podcast. Just type in the Who's Podcast and really help out uh, reach uh, expand the reach of the show. More information is in the description of this YouTube video. Uh, for those who are watching and listening tonight, I have a question for you. And there's a lot to discuss. Obviously, you guys see the title of this week's episode, If You Smell What the Marks is Cooking. Um, my question for all of you simply is, when it comes to this whole situation with The Rock coming back on SmackDown this past Friday night and what happened uh, in the conversation on the Pat McAfee show uh, regarding about Rock and Roman not happening at WrestleMania 39 and now possibly happening at WrestleMania 40, um, is that something you want to see? 
Are you still on the camp of, oh, Cody must finish the story? What side of the fence are you on? I'm going to save my thoughts on that whole situation once I get to this week in WWE. But um, there's definitely an appropriate amount of, um, um, how you say it, uh, sensitivity I had to uh, address here with this whole situation with the releases and everything. And, you know, today, uh, especially with this week's podcast, I definitely want to make it as positive as possible because um, I think the clown of the week is going to get really ugly tonight. And um, I'm on a scale of zero to 10 of frustration that I have when it comes to the discourse and the overall vibes surrounding my favorite sports team in the city right now is at an 11. And I know a lot of you are probably wondering what my thoughts are as the Chicago bears are once again, uh, a national uh, punching bag, a uh, punchline, uh, whatever you want to call it, a uh, joke, joke of the football league. I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, hey, Josh, what do you think about your Bears? What do you think about them being a civic embarrassment? I'm going to say my thoughts towards the end of the show with that because I want to keep this a positive vibe, and I'm not really in the mood right now to pop a blood vessel. So stay tuned, okay? Uh, let, let's start off the podcast as we usually do with the Good Brothers. Uh, my bad. Scratch that the back porch Q&A session. As always, for those who are watching live or during the week if you have any questions regarding the world of wrestling life relationships anything that's on your mind uh all you have to do is send me up at twitter at the hoots podcast or the hoots podcast at gmail.com especially for those who are watching live right now you could ask me a question as the show goes on here and uh we can keep it moving so <laughs> um let's let's start this off as we usually do with the good brother chris zaletta at x team zaletta 24x on twitter he says what up Boost? here's some questions for the q a this week Jay Cargill debuts at No Mercy or Fastlane. Well, that <laughs> starting off out there, um, obviously one of the big name free agents out there expecting to make her uh, presence known in WWE very soon. My guess is that Jay Cargill will show up in a vignette or at ringside for the Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton match. At no mercy. That's my prediction. Uh, there's not a scenario right now where I can see her showing up at Fastlane. And it's obviously a situation where you wouldn't want to bring her right in, automatically get a title shot against Rhea Ripley, and then get lost in the shuffle after that, you know? So uh, I'd probably say hold it off right now when it comes to that situation. But as far as I'm concerned, Jay Cargill. Um, whenever she does show up, I'm going to be happy for her because, um, again, <laughs> as I said on last week's episode, um, it's obviously a drop ball situation for AW to even let her leave the company under those circumstances. And this is a homegrown talent that you de- develop, and that's very few and far between when we talk about AEW. But, hey, we got the booker of the year, so he has all the answers, right? <laughs> All right, next question. Um, out of these two, more likely to go to WWE, MJF or Will Ospreay? You know what? Believe it or not, Chris, I'm going to say Will Ospreay. Um, 
I don't know if it's out there or not, but I have a pretty good hunch, and I'm not one of those guys that pretends to have sources and insights, scoops, and stuff like that. I, I'm not a cloud chaser. I have my experience covering the professional wrestling industry, but I'm not going to come here and think, oh, I got sources. Oh, wrestlers reach out to me for my opinion, and I have uh, wrestlers' phone numbers on my uh, contact list. I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I'm some kind of expert analyst because I'm not, and I don't have sources. All I could tell from my viewing of the situation with MJF, I think whether it's been reported or not, I'm pretty sure it's at least a 90% chance that he's uh, re-signed with AEW, and it's probably been that way for a while now. And I probably would have been surprised if he re-signed his contract when he came back at All Out last year. And a lot of the stuff of the bidding war of 2024 is a lot of uh, a work type of thing to, uh, you know, MJF likes to play around with the crowd's mindset and psyche. And I don't blame him. That's obviously a good business strategy. But I, I think it's probably more likely that he's been re-signed. And the fact that we're almost close to October and January is right around the corner. And I, I we haven't heard one inkling of MJF being frustrated, no backstage drama. He rarely mentions the whole bidding war of 2024, and it's playing butt buddies with Adam Cole on television every week. Love the guy. He's a national treasure. I love his work, <laughs> but uh, I haven't got any inkling, whether it's on TV or the, the nonsense uh, that's the daily uh, rumor innuendo BS that we see every day. I haven't heard anything. So it's more likely that Will Ospreay would show up in WWE than uh, MGF will. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, first, Cody, now Jade. Who's next to jump to AEW to WWE? That's a very good question, Chris. Um, my pick would definitely be Wardlow. And <laughs> I don't think people would be surprised by me saying that. But facts are facts. He's another person that AEW dropped the ball with. Another guy that could have been a major mainstay star that's a homegrown talent from scratch. And the guy can't barely find any TV time. And had him do the stupid hot potato stuff for the TNT title uh, at a moment, a time earlier last year, the guy was one of your biggest uh, rising stars in your promotion. Now we can barely see the guy on TV. Uh, it's, it's, it's a freaking joke to be honest with you, but that's the thing. Uh, Tony Khan likes to book promotions and present wrestling for uh, the fans that don't like big men wrestlers and only like five, 10 generic jabronis that do six thirty cartwheel sentons uh, to the outside. And <laughs> nobody can tell me otherwise. Uh, the fact that Miro and Pure, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs almost stole the all-out pay-per-view, uh, I don't think that's a tip of the cap to AEW. I think those guys tear the house down in spite of AEW. Because, again, those are two other two other guys that are underutilized as well. So uh, I, I think Wardlow would be my pick. I'm sure a lot of people would say Ricky Starks or something like that or Dustin Rhodes. But for me, I think it's Wardlow is probably the next one to either um, let his contract be expired, get released. We'll see how that one plays out. Um, next question. 
Okay. What did you enjoy the most from Grand Slam? Stay tuned. I'll um, talk about that and what the hell is wrong with AEW. Uh, do you think the long-term play in NXT is Trick Williams versus Carmelo Hayes? Uh, most likely. I, I, I would be shocked if they didn't uh, have a program with each other, to be honest with you. Um, they don't necessarily have to split up the Trick and Melo gang. I enjoy what they do on TV. I like the brotherly dynamic, but um, when you just look at the landscape of NXT and male performers... I mean, yes, the matches with Ilya Dragunov have been good and barn burners, and Carmelo's always due for having a barn burn. But outside of that, has there really been a feud that he's been that has, like, some meaning to it, that has heat that you can mostly invest in outside of, oh, this could be a five-star classic, match of the year candidate, match of the year candidate, match of the year candidate. <laughs> and I get it, that's what the fans like and want in 2023, but... You got to have more than just good five-star wrestling matches. Guess who does that too? Ricochet. And where is he at now? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I, I I like Carmelo Hayes, but he would benefit more right now having a feud with Trick Williams than, you know, getting into matches with um, Dragon Lee and Noam Dar or Tyler Bate, you know, I, I'm curious to see how they played out with that NXT uh, division, especially for the men. Um, next question. Uh, thoughts on SmackDown to USA Move and what it means for Raw and NXT? Well, I'm glad you uh, brought this up since uh, it's big news of the day. I got the press release this morning about this situation, and I wanted to um, come in here and talk to you guys about it today. So thank you, for Chris, for uh, bringing this up. And uh, we'll take a look at this together as a, as a family. <laughs> so uh, let me um, let me put this on the screen so we all can take a look at this, right? Um, just one second here. Got it right here. All right. So here we go. SmackDown returns to the USA Network uh, as part of a five-year agreement between WWE and NBC Universal. We're going to spend a, a lot of time uh, on this, especially in this segment here, because uh, there's other stuff I just want to discuss in this week in WWE. But um, let's check this out. I'll read the press release in its entirety, and we'll go from there. All right. WWE to make NBC primetime debut with launch of four network specials. Stanford, Connecticut, Business Wire. WWE part of TKO Group, uh, Group Holdings Incorporated. And NBC Universal have agreed to a fire domestic media rights partnership that will bring Friday Night SmackDown back to USA Network beginning of October 2024. Addition beginning in the 2024-25 season, WWE will produce four primetime specials per year that will air on NBC, marking the first time WWE will air on the network in prime time. This press release features multimedia. SmackDown will come exclusively to NBCU as one of television's longest-running programs, regularly rated as the number one show in the 1849 advertising demographic on Friday nights, and featuring many WWE superstars, including John Cena, Roman Reigns, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, and Rey Mysterio. 
NBC Universal has been a tremendous partner of WWE for decades, says WWE President Nick Khan. We're excited to extend this long-standing relationship by bringing SmackDown to USA Network on Friday nights and look forward to debuting multiple WWE specials annually on NBC. Uh, it's a privilege and thrill to continue NBCU's decades-long partnership with WWE, which has helped cement uh, USA Network's consistent position as a top-rated cable entertainment network and live viewership, said Francis Berwick, chairman of NBC Universal Entertainment. With Friday nights on USA, primetime specials on NBC, and the WWE hub on Peacock, uh, we'll continue to use the power of our portfolio to super-serve super this passionate fan base. As part of WWE and NBC Universal's long-standing relationship, uh, the USA Network is currently home to WWE NXT and WWE Monday Night Raw, which is the number two cable entertainment program in 2023 in the 1849 demo. Dem uh, Demonstrating the deeply engaged WWE audience on USA, WWE NXT Plus 27 and Monday Night Raw Plus 15 are up double digits year over year in the target demographic. Monday Night Raw and NXT will continue to air on the USA Network through September of 2024. In addition, since 2021, Peacock has been the exclusive home of the WWE Network in the US where Peacock subscribers can stream thousands of hours of on-demand programming from WWE, including original series, groundbreaking documentaries, fan-favorite shows from the WWE archives, and previewing live events like WrestleMania, Survivor Series, World Rumble, SummerSlam, and more. WWE continues to drive high engagement on the platform with this April's WrestleMania 39 live stream, delivering a record-breaking weekend for Peacock as its highest weekend usage to date. So, that is the entire... <laughs> um, press press release that I got earlier this morning with that news that came out. Um, look, I, I think it's a decision that's going to be very beneficial for WWE in a lot of fronts. Um, if you look at the revenue that's been reported and uh, discussed uh, regarding this move, it's in the range of $1.4 billion. This is not a $1.4 million dollar acquisition this is a 1.4 billion dollar acquisition and yes i think wwe has done a lot of good things uh in this time of working with fox and the fact that the numbers didn't lie uh especially during the run of roman reigns which is again funny where people just are so desperate to get the titles off this guy not understanding how the actual wrestling business works uh, is just beyond me. Uh, SmackDown's numbers-wise would not go up to the lengths it did without Roman Reigns as the champion and the whole bloodline angle. Uh, there's been a lot of good things that have been accomplished with the WWE brand on Fox. And I understand that the, um, the talk show uh, backstage was short-lived, and I understand that, but... Uh, you look at uh, the numbers that they delivered on Fox, the the times where uh, SmackDown had to air on FS1, it was times where SmackDown was drawing more viewers on an FS1 show than you would get on uh, that stupid show Undisputed with Skippy and uh, Colin Couch shit. This is the her, whatever you may be and hour you may be listening. I'm a jackass live in Los Angeles talking to you on a Thursday night, September 21st. <laughs> um, 
it's been very beneficial uh, for WWE, uh, not only for what they've been able to deliver to Fox, but also the platform of having SmackDown commercials and advertising being displayed on NFL football games. You know, we see it every single week. And, you know, them going to the USA Network now and now this added uh, thing where you have four annual primetime events on NBC, the channel NBC, I I think that's a big deal. I really do. I think that's a great thing for the WWE brand. Uh, it It could work in a lot of different ways. As far as how it benefits or doesn't benefit Monday Night Raw and NXT, uh, that's up the air and that's a lot of speculation, right? And my best guess is that all of the programming for WWE would be um, under the NBCU, um, NBC Universal banner. That that would be my best guess on the entire situation. Um if you just look at what's out there for NBC, how it best benefits them and keeping the premium live events on uh, Peacock as opposed to um, these shows going to, I don't know, ESPN Plus or moving Raw to Amazon Prime or God knows where else. Um, I, I am curious to see what happens with Raw and NXT. And again, this is still the whole negotiation period one belch one notch of this discussion was determined today we'll know by this time in the fall of next year smackdown will now be on the usa network as far as what happens raw and nxt i have no doubt just with the track record of wwe and understanding the landscape of television where it's not like it was when I was a kid in the nineties or in the early two thousands where, okay, it's a, it's a Thursday or Friday night. I have to watch this show at this time. For example, Oh, it's a Thursday night. I got to watch. I got to watch friends, right? (laughs) Oh shit. It's Wednesday. I got to watch how I met your mother. Um, oh my god, it's Sunday. I got I can't miss the Sopranos. Like there's nothing in television right now that's outside of live sporting events where it's like, hey, I need to watch this at this certain time on this certain channel. Nothing's like that. A lot of the stuff you can watch on DVR, there's a lot of streaming apps now. That's just the way society is right now. And I think that, you know, <laughs> you could get something out of this. I, I, I don't think that you see Monday Night Raw, you know, on ESPN. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, is it something where you can put Monday Night Raw on FX? Um, you know, does, does SmackDown go in the way totally end the relationship with Fox where Monday Night Raw or NXT or something else that WWE probably could go on that network? I don't know. There's a lot of things up in the air, but my best guess would be that all the cha- all the primary programming would be under that NBC 
uh, banner. That that would be my best guess when I look at the total like landscape of what's going to happen here with uh, WWE uh, television, right? And this is a big deal, you know. Everybody knows that a lot of the major money that comes for WWE and Lee comes from these TV right deals. And, you know, they got the right people making these negotiations. So, yes, on the surface right now, SmackDown's got the leg up on Raw. But, again, we have to understand who's handling this, these negotiations. And it's Nick Khan. I think, you know, there's a possibility that maybe, you know, the bigger shows like uh, Royal Rumble, uh, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and WrestleMania could possibly go on uh, traditional pay-per-view or ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I could see that possibly down the road. But I think that when you look at in the totality, uh, what's in the best interest of the television rights, the best interest of the fans, and the best interest of the partnership between WWE and uh, these other networks that they're working with, I would think it'd be beneficial to keep everything under that NBC banner and keeping uh, these premium live events on Peacock under that WWE hub uh, that they mentioned in the press release. That's just my best guess, you know. Things could be up in the air. Who knows? <laughs> uh, maybe they put Raw on Sci-Fi. I, I have no idea. But I... I it's either that or there could be a possibility where Raw could go to Amazon or some streaming device. Uh, but I think I think this decision will be beneficial uh, for WWE and NBCU. And I'm curious to see what happens next with Raw and NXT especially. Do I think NXT needs to be two hours on television every single week? I do not. Uh, I enjoy the NXT brand. It's It's been fun to cover over the last couple of weeks. Also, at the same time, though, when I look at where everything's at right now, again, like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, there's nothing on television where, like, I have to see this right here, right now. Even for myself, you know, I have a job to do, right? I, I cover Raw, I cover NXT, and I cover SmackDown. That's my job throughout the week. That's what I do. If I wasn't getting paid, yes, I would still watch those shows because wrestling is my, outside of music, wrestling is my biggest passion in life. And those are my shows. But outside of that, like, there's really nothing on television where I'm like, oh, I got to sit down and make sure I watch this at this time or else. Like, I don't have that feeling. So I can understand to a certain extent if you want to put, Monday Night Raw, or even NXT on a streaming platform, I, I don't think that's going to be the end of the world. I, I don't know if anybody would bitch over the fact if NXT, if you could watch NXT live on Peacock, I don't think that would be the end of the world. Uh, that's just my opinion on the whole deal, but it's up in the air. It, it really is. It's up in the air. <laughs> so, um... Let, let's uh, let's continue on here with the questions. Uh, thoughts on the Elimination Chamber heading to Op... Uh, I can't pronounce this. Optus Stadium? Optus Stadium? Anyways, <laughs> the other news that dropped today was uh, the Elimination Chamber um, getting... Um, uh, the Elimination Chamber next year will be in Australia at Optus Stadium. Uh, 
a big stadium event for Elimination Chamber is pretty cool. Uh, this is the second year in a row where Elimination Chamber will be outside the United States. We all recall the Elimination Chamber premium live event that we saw in Montreal earlier this year. Uh, big special event, uh, especially uh, dedicated to uh, Sami Zayn and the height of his run against Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, one of the best matches I've seen so far this year. Excuse me. But um, when I look at the whole situation as a whole, uh, I, I think that's cool. Uh, I'm glad that they're doing more of these premium live events outside the U.S. and bigger crowds. I think that Australia crowd will eat that up. I think they'll have a blast. I remember the Super Showdown, I think they did a couple years ago. Uh, that was a fun event to uh, transcribe. So the fact that they're doing this show in Australia, no harm, no foul. I think that's, I think that's cool. So um, I, I don't know. I think maybe like the Super Showdown would probably air at the same time it would be if you had the shows in London or um, the the Crown Jewel uh, Saudi Arabia shows. I, I'm not really sure uh, what the timeline would be when that show would air. But probably around that same range, like three o'clock or two o'clock um, uh, Eastern Standard Time. So we'll have to see how, how that one plays out. Um, thoughts on the releases today? Well, <laughs> I guess I should talk about this now uh, since we don't have that much questions left. Um, well, here's the deal, Chris. I um, for me. Uh, it's just it's crappy, man. You know, it's um, it's the unfortunate reality of what the industry that I cover. This not the first time that's gonna this is gonna happen. It's not gonna be the last time that it's gonna happen. You know, I I want to be happy and joyful for professional wrestling. But there's the ugly side of the industry, too. Like I mentioned earlier, nothing in wrestling is forever, you know. And, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler had a tremendous run in WWE. Ended today. Um, I should look this up really quick. Um, let me find this here. There's a lot of releases there. We, I could go over the list right here. So let, let me pull this up on the screen. No, not the settings. <laughs> All right. Don't mind me. This is bad radio, but uh, we're doing this live. Doing it live. <laughs> All right. So here we are. Here's the uh, list of the performers that were uh, released today. Uh, Mustafa Ali, Emma, Rick Boogs, Aliyah, Elias, Riddick Moss, uh, Top Dollars, Shelton Benjamin, Dolph Ziggler, uh, Dana Brooke, Mansois and Massey, uh, Quincy Elliott, Davicato, Shanky, Yulisa Yul Leon, uh, Daniel MacArthur, Bryson Montana, and Kevin Ventura Cortez. Uh, so you got some NXT and Performance Center talent that was added to that list as well. Um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, you know? And I know a lot of people get upset about this because. Oh, it's a billion dollar uh, company you just merged with a new pr uh, new promotion, and you're cutting people. This is the unfortunate side of the industry, man. You gotta understand what you're signing up for. Uh, I don't have to agree all, all the time with the decisions that happen behind the scenes. That's why I don't 
all the time put my energy and passion into that side of the industry because I'm not there. I don't work in the wrestling industry. I cover the wrestling industry. But for me, I'm, I am I like to stay in my lane, and I really don't try to opine in things and act like I have all the answers to everything because I don't. And, you know, it's unfortunate to see people lose their jobs, and I have a lot of sympathy uh, for people who are dealing with that situation this year, uh, today. I, I think I think that's really unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I lost my job earlier this year, and it's... <laughs> It's it's not it's not easy being an independent contractor and you know it, it's unfortunate you know I, you know when I saw that tweet that Emma uh, posted earlier this morning and seeing her excitement for this elimination chamber show in Australia and then 20 minutes later she's telling everybody that she got released that sucks you know and uh, I've always remained steadfast in this belief too you know you gotta understand what you're signing up for. And I know a lot of people are upset about, you know, Mustafa Ali getting released and stuff like that. And I get it. He's a Chicago guy. But I'm also under the belief, too, if you don't want to be somewhere, don't be there. And uh, I'm not going to come in here and knock the guy because I'm a fan of his. I've enjoyed his work. And I've been a fan of Ali before it was cool to be a fan of Ali, you know, there's like certain performers throughout the wrestling industry, especially in WWE, where people start pretending like they like everything that they do because they want to um, thumb their nose at the authority over booking decisions and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, I like Ali, but realistically, I never thought he was going to be a main eventer. That doesn't make me a bad guy. You know, I... I appreciate his passion. I respect him as a man, as a human being. He's a great dude. Um, former policeman in Chicago. I like Mustafa Ali. But again, there's also the reality, too, where a lot of these performers get in their own way, where you are running to dirt sheet sites to have people feel sorry for your creative. Again, I I can only speak for me. I don't have sympathy when it comes to booking complaints, I just don't. There are countless, countless amount of wrestlers throughout the country, throughout the world, that would kill for the opportunity to be in promotions that you're in. And you're going to act like a baby and run to dirt sheet sites to have to play the victim card and that's the easy route to go to. I get that. I mean, you look at Athena in AEW. She did that whole trick, and you can see it from a, a mile away. Like, people could choose to be naive about the situation. And even then, even if I personally believe that, okay, this person was underutilized, I can understand it to a certain extent. But when you use the wrestling media as a crush for people to feel sorry for your booking or creative... I'm I'm not going to apologize for that. I don't have sympathy for that. I just don't. And if you don't want to be at a place, don't be there. And again, <laughs> Ali has a lot of great options in front of him. He I know he'll do good work in Impact. He'll do a lot of good stuff in AEW. He'll do a lot of good stuff in New Japan. Uh, the world's his oyster. He can do whatever he wants. And I think he'll be successful in that light too. 
but again, I, I had to speak for myself. And it's like, when I see people whine about their book getting, they go to the dirt seats to play the sympathy card. You're not getting any sympathy from me. <laughs> I don't feel sorry for you. I just don't. I, I feel bad over the fact that you lost your job. I, I do feel bad about that. But when it comes to like whining about booking and creative, I just I just don't have sympathy for that. I just don't. Um, you know, there's other performers on the roster that really never got a chance to showcase what they could do. The guys that I found that were very entertaining, like Elias and Rick Boogs, you know, two guys there. Those two guys could do a lot of great work in Impact or in the NWA, you know. Um, Dana Brooke, uh, I'm a fan of Top Dollar, not only as a performer, but as a person, too. He could do a lot of good stuff in the wrestling industry and the entertainment world at large, you know. Um, you know, a lot of these releases are for, uh, unfortunate. It's an unfortunate part of the industry. I have sympathy for everybody that lost their job. Um the great thing about the wrestling industry right now is that there's a lot of different places for a lot of different people to work at. And I, even though I'm not like the biggest fan of like the GCW shows and stuff like that, I'm sure people would mark out for seeing Elias there showing up in the, with the guitar <laughs> beating up Joey Janela or my bad Jelly Nutella at a super indie show on WrestleMania weekend. I'm sure people would mark out for that. And I wouldn't blame them either too. And I'm sure impact will, would like to scoop a lot of people, a lot of those performers up. I'm sure, um, Dana Brooke would probably appear in impact, <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's a lot of different opportunities for a lot of different performers that were cut today. And this is the unfortunate, unfortunate part of the industry. It really is so um again I, I i don't like seeing it but it's also the thing too when i see these like mass cuts happen um i like to this is just me and i can i can just speak for myself i i like to take a step back and formulate my thoughts before i go out there and have like impulse tweets and stuff like that and try to look at things from a bigger picture point of view and it's like i just don't want to have impulse tweets immediately when news like that drops where i can just say oh this is a stupid decision blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh uh, see this is another reason why this man is trying to have a stranglehold over wwe and i i i don't believe in dishing out disingenuous takes that's also another reason why i didn't decide to do uh, a live stream or record a video about this news earlier today because there's already 90 other people who rushed and were doing live streams right as that news was going on and it's like that news is so fresh too where you're immediately doing a live stream trying to get clicks subscribers and money off the news of people losing their jobs. I, I, I didn't want to mention this on Twitter. I, I, I was thinking about posting this earlier today, but it was a little annoying for me that people were rushing to upload content and do live streams of this news of, of the releases 
and people are taking super chats on YouTube, and like, I I just don't get that. I I think that's disrespectful to the performers, if if I'm being honest with you, and I I don't think that's cool. There's one thing you there there's one thing, and I get it with this wrestling landscape and the wrestling media where we all have to be first on everything. And everything's clicks, 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 subscribers, subscribers, subscribers. I, I get all that. But also, you got to have some self-awareness, too. If you're if you're just doing that live stream of the releases just to get your lazy-ass take for the day and hope that people give you super chats while you record a show, I just think that's, uh, I think that's just uh, unfortunate and really embarrassing, to be honest with you, so... That's the little rant I wanted to do today on that because I saw a lot of that and it's like I seeing all these people just rushing out to do live streams on this whole situation. Like people lost their jobs and you're just I gotta do a live stream now. I gotta do a live stream now. I gotta get more likes and uh, subs and all that. And it's like I don't know. I'll never know what it's like to be a clout chaser. Okay, so. Again, I, I want to send my uh, thoughts out to everybody that lost their job today. Um, it's a crappy part of the industry, and I wish you guys nothing but the best. And the last question for the Q&A this week uh, comes from Chris, obviously. And I want I want to thank you, Chris, again for helping me out this week. Uh, Chris was the only one that sent any questions this week. And uh, I always appreciate anybody who wants to participate with this back porch uh, Q&A session. So thank you, Chris, for helping me out today. Um he said, my favorite Dolph Ziggler matches. Great question. Well, uh, this definitely one that I remember being at was uh, Dolph Ziggler and John Cena for uh, the United States uh, Championship. And I think uh, I was at this Raw where <laughs> um, somebody was proposed. I think somebody got engaged in the crowd. I think you can look this up. It's John Cena and Dolph Ziggler for the U.S. title. And... Um, Somebody in the crowd got engaged. I, I remember that match being really good, but this, the that moment was pretty funny. Obviously, you know, him winning the world title and that money to being cashed in was uh, really cool. Um, I I like the matches that he had with Chris Jericho. Uh, the one we had with Edge at the Royal Rumble in 2011 was good. Um, I thought his chemistry with Alberto Del Rio was good, even though I think Alberto Del Rio is a scumbag. Uh, I like their matches. Um, the Miz rivalry, uh, be remiss without mentioning that, you know, Ziggler and Miz No Mercy uh, from 2016 was fantastic. Um, the bevy of Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins matches. Uh, I think the first time I, I, I knew I was getting really good as the transcribers when I was doing Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins matches. It was the period where those two were, like, fighting each other, like, every other week in 2018. And um, they were doing some really good content. <laughs> and I enjoyed that match. Um, I know that um, a lot of people are a little disappointed with the match that he had with Dean Ambrose at that one SummerSlam where Ambrose was champion and uh, Dolph was trying to get the world, uh, the my bad, the WWE title. Um, I think that match exposed John Moxley more than exposed Dolph Ziggler, but that's another story for another time. Um, I wish there was a little bit more with him and Randy Orton, obviously. Um, I'm 
trying to remember other ones off the top of that I can remember for Ziggler. Uh, the Daniel Bryan match that he had with uh, Dolph Ziggler at uh, Bragging Rights. Another fantastic match. And, um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much it for Dolph Ziggler matches for me. <laughs> um, thank you, Chris, again for uh, sending the questions this week. I appreciate you, brother, as always. If you want to participate in the Back Porch Q&A session, all you have to do is hit me up at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. There's one more thing I want to say before we get to our next segment. And uh, this is very true to um, kind of put a ribbon and a bow and bring this full circle when it comes to the whole releases and everything. Um, there's a quote I saw today, and I want to read it to you guys. And I think it really hits home. Um it goes like this. It says, you get tested the most when it's time for you to elevate. Don't break. Let me read that one more time. You get tested the most when it's time for you to elevate. Don't break. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I've been tested a lot this year. And nothing's going to stop me. And I've been going really, really hard uh, with this workout stuff. Uh, since I got furloughed and had to uh, move out of my first apartment. And I've been going at this really hard since the end of June. And we're almost at the end of September. And I, I just had my uh, most recent uh, doctor appointment checkup on uh, Monday. And um, I've lost <laughs> I lost 12 pounds in the span of three weeks, which was my previous appointment that I had. Uh, back in the middle of August, um, which is it's pretty cool and very rewarding feeling, you know. Um, I got that news. I went to the doctor with my DT on Monday, and uh, we were there and got that news. And just seeing, like, where I'm at and the progress I made since I've been doing this stuff, it's been really, really cool and uh, really, really rewarding. And, you know, um, don't break, man. It's going to test you, man. Uh, especially for those who got released today, I know you guys are going to be down and rightfully so. And this could be a very challenging time for a lot of those performers lives. And I wish nothing for the best of them and understand that moments like this are a great opportunity for you to take a step back and elevate yourself. And I I've been doing that a lot this year, especially with my situation. And, you know, recently I, I got my gig back and I'm very blessed and fortunate for that fact. I just want people to understand to not be discouraged and don't lose your faith within yourself uh, if you're going through this situation and understand that you got you. And um, uh, when I saw that quote today, it really hit home with me because it's just a, a realiz- realization of what I've dealt with this year, a real realization that I'm on the right path of what I've been doing with this workout stuff, and I'm pretty sure I probably lost 30 to 40 pounds collectively since I started doing this workout stuff back in June and I'm seeing progress and I know the next benchmark I got to hit when I get my uh, next appointment in December 18th and um, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm seeing, seeing progress. I'm feeling progress and you know, I'm just very appreciative for those who um I've been really like encouraging and not giving up on me uh, during d- during all of it, you know, whether it's me uh, 
losing my place or losing my job or the workout stuff or this podcast or getting back uh, to the grind with the transcripts. I just, I just want to say thank you to all of you who've been um, so uh, encouraging with me. And there's people that I thought I could rely on that in some way kind of ghosted me. And um, while that hurts, it didn't go unnoticed for me. Like, it, it, it I, I <laughs> it, it, you know, you look up to people and you, you call people mentors and then they put you to the side just due to the, you know, the value. And that's just a, another crappy side of this wrestling media landscape where you're supposed to rely on people. And that's it, it's always a saying, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know in the media landscape. And, you know, I've dealt with a lot of unfortunate situ- situations that have been out of my control this year. And it's like, that that somehow affects my value in this landscape and that sucks it's a crappy feeling but for those who have been supporting supporting me and not giving up on me and encouraging me uh not only to continue on with uh um keeping a positive point of view but more importantly more importantly, just like keeping me uh, encouraged to keep uh, keeping on and keeping on with this show, especially. So, I, um, for those who didn't give up on me, um, I'm, I'm very appreciative of you, and I know who you are, and uh, that that will never be unnoticed or unappreciated. So, I just wanted to say thank you for that. All right, that will conclude our back porch Q&A session. When we come back, we'll talk about what happened this week in WWE. Lots to discuss right here on the Hoots Podcast. Welcome back to Who's Podcast here. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. I'm going to try my best. I promise to try my best to make this a quicker segment this week because um, I don't want I don't want this episode to be too long this week. There's so much to discuss, and i got to get to this bear stuff later on. But um, let's talk about what happened this week in WWE. Um, I should tie this up here in one bow as uh, it's been the biggest discourse outside of the business and releases that happened today. Uh, a lot of discussion this week overall has been about the return of The Rock. That's right, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Excuse me, made his uh, first public appearance uh, in the WWE ring since uh, October of 2019. And how, how do I know that? Well, outside of being a student of the game, uh, I know uh, that very well because um, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, Hanging out with my brother Adam Daly in person uh, with his lovely daughter, AJ. And I got to watch that first episode on Fox, uh, the premiere of SmackDown on Fox. Was, 
really ironic thinking about this now, right? <laughs> so I was at Adam's house when the first episode of SmackDown aired on Fox. We watched that show together. And The Rock was there, and he was making fun of Baron Corbin, and he uh, was doing stuff with Becky Lynch. Here we are now in 2023. The Rock makes a surprise uh, visit to Denver, Colorado at the Ball Arena. Some funny names for these arenas. <laughs> like, I, I, now that I've got back to my job, like, and I'm typing out, okay, we got Raw at this place, and, like, for example, um, Utah for Raw, they've been changing the name for that arena where the Jazz play, like, every two or three years. I think there's something like the Vivid Smart Link something arena. <laughs> now it's back to being the Delta Center. But anyways, Raw, my bad, The Rock made his return to Denver. Finally, The Rock has made his return to Denver, Colorado. Earlier in the day, he was a special guest uh, on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN and on YouTube. And Rock had a lot of discussions about, you know, what's going on uh, in his life, obviously. And, you know, amidst of this uh, actors and writing strike, uh, Pat was asking Rock a lot of different questions, you know, about uh, his uh, situation, um, you know, with the XFL. Just catching up, you know, with The Rock. The Rock's first time on that show with Pat. And I'm sure Pat was using a lot of that interview to learn things from The Rock, which is very important to do. That's definitely not a knock towards Pat, but, you know, I'm just uh, talking what it is. So um, what we're going to do here, before I give my breakdown of the whole angle of Brock and Roman and how this, this affects Cody, I guess we all should, like, take a step back and... Let's play this in context of what happened on Friday. Now, for full disclosure, I watched this interview live on Friday. Last Friday was a really great day for me. I got to spend a lot of time downtown. It's just becoming now one of my new favorite hobbies to do here in Chicago is taking the train, not taking the, not the train, taking the bus downtown to Chicago. I get off at Navy Pier, do the whole loop around around Navy Pier walk a little bit around downtown area as well, and get myself lunch. I get to spend half the day downtown in, in Chicago here, and I get to get my steps in, get my workout in, but also treat myself to have some um, food. Like, I don't go all out or whatever. It's like <laughs> uh, everything right now I have right now is in moderation. So, you know, I finish my walk, and I go um, – to where I had lunch, and uh, it was at that time The Rock was walking for his scheduled time as he was a guest on Pat's show, and this was the conversation that was going on, and this has been the conversation that a lot of people have been talking about this week, is The Rock and what happened at WrestleMania 39. Why was he not there? Why didn't we get Roman Reigns versus The Rock uh the battle of the tribal chiefs, you know, why didn't that happen? Look, I, I love, I love the, I love, and I love what I, what I do with the show is bringing context to conversations as opposed to coming here and talking out of my ass. So I want to play this 
conversation for you guys. And let's have a conversation. And like I said earlier in the show, if you're watching this, comment down below and let me know. Would you want to see The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40? Yes or no? Or are you in the camp that it has to be Cody Rhodes having to uh, finish the story at WrestleMania 40? So um, let's play this, okay? Got it right here. Boom. Let's check this out. That surgery, rehab, that's months and months, right? This life? was, I did triple hernia surgery, emergency surgery, but the tearing the quad off my pelvis, I had to go shoot Hercules. Oh so oh. I actually shot that movie Hurt. I didn't do surgery. So everything kind of just scar tissued up. And <laughs> weapon. You're a of all the guys looking at me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, he's got no, he, his knees are, he can't even walk this right. guy. I mean, it's a whole thing. Oh, so great. now that we're learning all this, that kind of enforces the fact that people say the reason why you don't get back into the WWE as much is because if you get injured, it potentially slows down your entire, you have hundreds yeah. of people that work on your movies. Your team is one that relies upon thousands them. of people, man. Thousands of people that that is a massive reason why I assume that you haven't been able to get back as much as like all the WWE fans have been looking for. Or? Honestly, brother, it's not it's not the injury that I'm concerned about because that's just part of it. It's just part of the game. You sign up for it. You get hurt. We all get hurt. That's just the way it is. Um, it's not even the schedule because I could control the schedule to a large degree. It always comes that me going back to uh, WWE and wrestling a match always comes down to the reason why and what can we create that's never been done before for the fans. So that's, that was, that's the idea. Okay, which is perfect. Let's lead into last year in LA. <laughs> yeah. So far, uh -huh. Roman obviously on an incredible run. Yeah. The bloodline, huh? Yeah. They're not talking about my bloodline. No. They're not talking about Connor's <laughs> nope, bloodline. Definitely not. But Ty's definitely not. Nope. Mm. Tones, no. AJ Hawk's bloodline runs real deep. They're not yeah. talking about, they were talking about, uh, yeah. Your bloodline. So that story was a big one. The Rock and Roman, SoFi, L.A. How close? Did that ever And Was that close? All right. So The, the Rock uh, headlining WrestleMania with Roman Reigns, SoFi Stadium. Uh, that was locked. What? Oh. We were... No way! <laughs> we, we were doing it. We, no, we, we, we were doing it. We were doing it. But let me just tell you. So uh, about in, in the beginning of 2022... Um, Nick Khan, who we know, shout friend out to of ours. Nick, shout out very to good friend, Dog. long time for years. Dog. Yeah. Uh, he's the man. He was very instrumental in bringing Vince and I together. We all flew to L.A. We met. We sat. This is the beginning in 2022. And we broke out <laughs> the Terramana. We toasted life, yeah, toasted yeah. the business we love. And about an hour later, we started talking about the potential of what this match could be between myself and Roman Reigns headlining WrestleMania at SoFi. And we shook hands and we hugged right there, all three of us at the table and said, let's do this. And so the North Star, though, so then we had a year mm -hmm. to yeah. really think about this. Yeah. So the North Star thought was, okay, let's not do something good. Let's not do something great. Let's do something unprecedented. And it was in what can we create for the fans that has never been done before? A match, great. Roman, incredible athlete. He's going to be on Mount Rushmore. Super handsome. Right? Super handsome, good dude. My cousin, family. It's amazing. We can have the match, but the bigger thought was, what can we do for the fans in this business that we love that will, uh, where, where WrestleMania isn't the end of something, it's actually the beginning of something bigger. Got it. So. So what happened? 
<laughs> so we got really, really close, but we couldn't actually yeah. nail what yeah. that thing was. So we decided to put our pencils down, and then we agreed, hey, listen, there's, uh, there is a merger coming up. Eventually that will happen. There's WrestleMania in Philadelphia. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Whoa. 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 Oh. Oh, it's the eyebrow. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> what are you saying? Whoa. I'm saying, I'm saying that that's a potential too. So, oh, okay. Okay. Open, open. I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. But again, let's figure out what that is because the fans deserve something just incredible and unprecedented. And not only that, but also want to deliver to the locker room and the boys and the, and the girls back there are working their asses off. What can we do to put them in a position where they're part of something that is a new change, an era in this world of pro wrestling? Again, Vince is a big picture thinker, as you know. Yes, sir. And this is why we've gotten along for years, just trying to think big picture. So, how do you feel about his see. mustache right now? <laughs> Strong. All right. <laughs> All right, we're back. Um, a couple things. Obviously. Uh, I want to mention this first. Uh, as far as the segment with Rock and uh, Austin Theory. So, show kicked off with uh, Pat McAfee coming down to the ring. At first, when I saw Pat, this is a shoe, I thought I thought there was a possibility of The Rock showing up, obviously. All the cards right there, right time, right place. We all know the drill. But when I first saw Pat, my first thought was, okay, here's Pat, and it, I think he was going to announce that he was going to be the host of Fastlane, being that Fastlane, the premium live event, will be in Indianapolis, Indiana. That, that's where Pat resides now these days, and that's where the Thunderdome's at. So I thought Pat was there to either set up a match, and that's what we thought we were going there with Austin Theory. But after that fact, we heard the Rock's music, and he comes down and, you know, <laughs> comes down the ring, the people lose their mind. I, I was getting excited and giddy uh, at home. I'm like, damn, like this is pretty cool. Like I'm back, and right at the time I'm back in the gig and I'm back and doing my job, and here comes the rock, and I get to transcribe a rock promo, which is pretty cool, you know. Like I, I'm on cloud nine. He comes in the ring, and the first he's like, first thing he does, he's like, Austin, he starts talking. He's like, shut up, shut your bitch ass up, <laughs> and he's like. That that's the first thing that happens, and we all know what happened. Where I gotta, I say it all the time, man. You gotta maximize your TV time. And in my opinion, when it comes to WWE this week, nobody, and I mean nobody, maximized their TV time better this week than Austin Theory. I know there's a lot of detractors out there. I know there's a lot of colleagues of mine who don't see anything in him and. Don't think he has a bright future ahead of him. But this dude held his own in that ring. Uh, the entire segment, he was not made to look like a jackass. Yes, the entire arena was calling him an asshole. But when you look at what happened in that segment, that is... Think about this in the level of where we were earlier this year where literally John Cena put Austin Theory in the air fryer and raise that sucker up at 400 degrees. Here we are later in the fall in September, and he's holding his own on the microphone with probably the greatest talker of all time in professional wrestling. 
how that's not beneficial for Austin Theory going forward, I don't know what else to tell you. So, okay, The Rock's there to pop the crowd in Denver. Obviously, he was going to be there that weekend because he was a special guest picker in college game day. And we saw that the next day. But you can see the emotion for The Rock. And he put an Instagram post and he's saying that that crowd's up there for the top five pops that he got in his career. The Mount Rushmore uh, pops, I guess. <laughs> I guess he has a Mount Rushmore for that. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about the clip I displayed. A couple things. As far as his idea of, okay, let's do something that's unprecedented and never been done before for the fans and let this be at the beginning of something uh, instead of the end. I don't know what that looks like, and I'm not sure if he was trying to dance around the entire topic because it's very easy to just say, okay, yeah, we had a handshake agreement, and then it just fell off, and it's WWE's fault that they didn't have either the the amount of money that he wanted for the situation, or the creative wasn't good enough for its liking, or <laughs> I, I've seen speculation of, oh, this wasn't going to work because Roman wouldn't put The Rock over or vice versa. Like, I, I'm not even going to entertain that with a thought. Um, I, I think that comment, um, I'm not saying it's disingenuous for The Rock, but again, we have to think about this realistically and understand the predicament The Rock's in and understand that you are probably more viable of getting just the one match with Roman than you are having this being extended out for multiple manias. And I know this is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people because there's still a lot of people who are butthurt over the fact that Roman Reigns retained the Universal Championship at WrestleMania this year. Hell, people are still upset about it now that he barely shows up to the shows. And the next time we're still see Roman Reigns with our presence is after Fastlane, where he starts building up his next match, which is going to be in Saudi Arabia. So I understand that there's a lot of tension about this. Does Roman and Rock need the universal title attached to it? Uh, is this a match that we still want to see in 2023? Is it a little too little too late? Um, there's a lot of questions, obviously. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's obviously the best decision to go from a business point of view to have Roman and Rock on a stage of WrestleMania like that, especially the 40th anniversary of WrestleMania. I totally understand that and wouldn't have zero problems with that and outside of that point about him saying oh let this be in the start of something new or earth shattering and ushering a new era of WWE's outside that comment there's really nothing that I disagreed with what he said there but you know this week there's been a lot of reactions I saw I saw what Dave LaGreca said I'm busted open, and I like Dave. Um, I don't know if I would call myself friends with Dave, but I've had the opportunity to interview him before. I got a chance to meet him before in San Jose. I like Dave as a person. It's definitely somebody I would like to work with. Like I, I have no personal ill feelings towards Dave, but he was like, 
okay, like he was like, oh, The Rock basically shitted on Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns in their match at WrestleMania 39 by doing that interview with Pat and, you know, saying that not everything has to be about The Rock and, you know, just saying a lot of nonsense, to be honest with you. And I like Dave. I do. I have a lot of respect for him and what he's built with Busted Open, and obviously it's the number one show for a reason. But the lengths and the the lengths he went to uh, about that take, especially towards Rock, I thought was a little disrespectful and a little bit unnecessary. I, I love Cody just as much as he does. I, I'm a big Cody Rhodes guy, and I I said it before. I took personal accountability that I was wrong about the American Nightmare character and what it represents. I was wrong on that, and I own up to that. And now I'm a mark for Cody. I'm not going to run away from that. And I've been loving everything he's doing. And I'm one of the few people that saw the bigger picture here with Cody when he lost the the match to Roman at WrestleMania 39. It's really that thing. It was a really good thing for me that it happened because it was another good reality check for me as somebody who covers the industry that match with Roman and Cody is probably the most emotionally filled match that I was invested in so far this year the crowd reactions the, the energy of the match the commentary with Michael Cole and Corey Graves especially for that match, was phenomenal. Phenomenal. So perfect for a WrestleMania thing. And I bought into it. They sucked me in. Here I am, a guy who covers the industry for a living and been doing shows like this for the last 10 years or so. The fan in me came out during that match with Cody and Roman and I, and I felt I felt just like all of you guys I felt that moment coming this is it this is going to be this is going to happen Cody's going to get the title they they sucked me in and this is the greatest reality check that I had at that moment when Roman Reigns won when this is the great thing about professional wrestling All of us could come on here and pretend that we're experts and we know everything and we could pinpoint when this is going to happen and that's going to happen. When Roman won, that was the ultimate reality check for me to understand that even from someone like myself who I, I, I I like to say that not in a braggadocious way, but I do put stock into my the the thought and effort I put into the industry and um I wouldn't say that my opinions or anything like that carries more weight than other people, but I do trust my instincts. That's what I'm really trying to say here. Like I'm not gonna come this in a braggadocious way. Oh, I'm an expert and I'm the best this and the best that. No, no, I'm not gonna do that here for you guys. What I'm saying here is that um for me Even with all the stuff that I do and the amount of time I've been doing this stuff and how long I've been watching wrestling, even then, I would still be able to be pulled in as a fan and then reality sets in. 
and just that great thing. Just when you think something's going to happen, it doesn't happen. And I understood the value of what Roman Reigns doing with this title reign. When that three count happened, and especially that press conference that Roman Reigns had after WrestleMania 39. It was eye-opening for me. As somebody who, like myself, like, I, again, I trust my instincts when it comes to the stuff of wrestling. And I feel like I have a good gauge where things are going here and there. And I'm going to come here and say, oh, my source is telling me this. And my source is telling me that. You know what my sources are? My my left and right eye. <laughs> Those are my sources. So, like, I had a good feel of how this was going to go. And like that, it was eye-opening for me. They they brought me in. They sucked me into the moment. I thought it was there. They sold me that Cody was going to win the title. And then Roman retains. And a lot of part of me, like Dave, and a lot of people, still want to see Cody get that moment. And I believe Cody will get that moment in the due time. But I also am a person that understands the bigger picture of professional wrestling. And you do not leave money in the table like that with the Rock and Roman Reigns. If that's something that you can make it feasible and you're legitimately going to go about it all the way. If you have that on the marquee, you got to do it. Now, it gets into this conversation of, hey, should we do the rock uh roman on night one and then cody wins uh cody fights the winner of that match for the universal championship the next night i don't know about that me personally when they were doing that type of thing look i love jay white i i'm a mark for jay white and the stuff he did in new japan i i love the guy but i thought it was kind of goofy and hokey a little bit when they were doing those gold rush things uh, at the at the Tokyo Dome for those Wrestle Kingdoms the, the last couple of years, when it was a two-night event thing where it was like, oh, we're going to have two IWGP World Heavyweight Championship matches on both nights. And I, I just thought that was a little goofy. And I don't know if it will work in this scenario. So there's obviously a big, important business lane that they got to choose here. This is the first WrestleMania under this merger, and it's a big deal. It really is. It's a big, big deal. Ah, yeah, love some aqua. But (laughs) you get my point, right? Like, I love to get your guys' thoughts. Are are you okay with Roman versus The Rock at WrestleMania, or do you want to see Cody and Roman Part 2? And if it's Cody against Roman Part 2, I'm more for it. Uh, trust me, I, I am. I don't think there's a lose-lose situation when it comes to this scenario, but this thing is going to keep people talking and give people more reason to watch the show more closer and closer and closer we get to the World Rumble. And that's the fun part about what we do and what we watch. Um, I have a question out there. Uh, as we're doing this, like, does WWE know what we're gonna have at Fastlane? I don't know if I'm gonna classify this as a complaint, but it's like this premium live event's coming up in a couple weeks. 
and we barely got any matches announced. I think the show's on October 7th, I believe. And there's barely next to the matches announced. Uh, maybe we get something tomorrow where it's John Cena and AJ Styles against the Bloodline at Fastlane. Uh, maybe we get Rollins and Nakamura. I feel like they've been adding a lot of like different layers to the other feuds that we've been uh, seeing coming out of Payback. And I do appreciate it to a certain extent, but um, I'm kind of curious. Like There hasn't been an incentive to give people a reason to care about this Fastlane show. And obviously, I guess this one's going to be one of those transitional shows because the next big show before Survivor Series is uh, Crown Jewel. So... As you're watching these shows and we're, and we're getting the midst of the NFL returning and now we're entering week three, uh, do, do you think this is the autopilot part of the year for WWE? Um, that's the thing for me. I, I'm not really classifying this as a claim. It's just a question like what are we going to see at Fastlane? If it's John Cena and um, AJ Styles against the Bloodline, I think that would be a good match. Do we see Santos, Escobar, and Rey Mysterio for the U.S. title? Uh, no problem there. Maybe we get uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Gunther. You know, Ciampa was uh, making it very clear on Raw this week that he wanted to fight Gunther for the IC title. Wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, what's going to happen with the tag titles with the Judgment Day? Um I mentioned Rollins and Nakamura. Do we get Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax at Fastlane? Or do we get something where it's uh, EO against uh, Bailey at Fastlane? Let's say, like, maybe Bailey turns on EO tomorrow night on SmackDown. You know, we're having Asuka and EO for the Women's Championship. Maybe Bailey turns on Asuka. No, my bad. Maybe Bailey turns on EO. There's been tension. Brewing and damage control. What's next? What what happens with Jay Uso? Do we get a rematch with him and Drew McIntyre? Is it Jay Uso against Kevin Owens and their issues just boil over and these two need to fight it out in a grudge match at Fastlane? Like I'm just posing the question out there: What are we going to see at this show, <laughs> and will it matter? So that's my question with that, but. Other stuff that really stood out to me uh, so far on TV this week is um, obviously Kofi Kingston and Ivar. Uh, that match was fantastic and raw. I really, really enjoyed it. Also, we had um, Nakamura and Ricochet. That was good. Uh, Bronson Regan, a big victory over Chad Gable. I thought that was a good choice there. Um, NXT, you know, it was pretty funny watching. Um, it was um, Dominic Mysterio and Carmelo Hayes. Pretty, pretty solid match. But Dominic is like, like, he has like a death wish, right? He's like, oh, damn. He's going to slap Ilya Dragunov in the face. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're thinking about, young man. That's just not a wise decision. That's just not it. But. That was that on NXT. Uh, Becky Lynch and Maya Valkyrie, Valkyrie defeated uh, Tiffany Stratton and Keanu James. I thought that was decent. Uh, Tyler Bate and uh, Butch uh, re- renewed their rivalry. Fantastic match. Uh, it'll be uh, 
it'll be Butch and Joe Coffey in the finals of this uh, Global Heritage Invitational where your winner will fight Noah and Dar um, at No Mercy. No Mercy will be taking, a, uh, taking place a week from this uh, Saturday, I believe. No, Sunday. It'll, no, it's the Saturday, thir- the 30th, yeah. So NXT uh, No Mercy will be on a Saturday in Bakersfield. Okay, got that. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to make sure I got my facts straight. So, you have that right. Um, going back to Raw really quick, I really like the thread that they have with Jay Uso and his plight in the locker room. You know, the segment with Cody and Kevin and Sammy. I thought that was very good, um, structured, layered, nuanced. Uh, leads things up in the air. What what's Cody's real true motivation behind bringing Jay to? Monday Night Raw. Maybe there's still some unanswered questions there from Cody's point of view. Every time he tries to speak his mind and what his next goal is, he gets interrupted by the Judgment Day. Like, what's next for Cody? Uh, Does Drew McIntyre turn heel and go after Cody? Is that the next thing we see? When when are we going to see Randy Orton? I heard Randy Orton was at the Performance Center this week. Which is pretty interesting. <laughs> I I really feel like there's a big angle that's going to be dropping soon, either on Raw or at Fastlane, when it comes to Randy Orton or Cody Rhodes specifically, or it could be those two at the same time. I just have this feeling like a big angle is going to be dropping soon, and I'm very curious to see how that plays out. And here's the thing too with the Judgment Day, you know what happens with Damian Priest in the briefcase. Does Priest try to cash in uh, after the Ross Nakamura rematch? And Finn Balor either causes in the briefcase or um, you, there's a scenario where, you know, they've been dangling this carrot of the different colored briefcase for the Monday Night contract. Priest tries to cash in, but guess what? The contract is not inside the briefcase. And J.D. McDonough is the... Uh, the culprit behind that. And that starts the tension with the judgment day. I don't know if that technically costs Priest the, the chance to cash in the briefcase, but you know, here's the thing. It can make Priest look bad, you know, and you can start seeing the doubt there. And is that an opportunity for the new street profits to capitalize on that opportunity? And they become the tag team champions, and maybe you split the titles and get those. Uh, now both brands had tag team titles uh, again. A lot of different scenarios and a lot of different things to look out for, for sure. But um, all in all, pretty solid week in WWE. I missed the, the unfortunate news with the with the um, with the uh, the releases and everything. You know, I'm curious to see what happens with the. Um, you know, what happens with Raw and NXT with these, uh, um, the, what I'm trying to say, the, you, you know, the, the TV rights stuff, what happens with Raw, where, where do they land? You know, that's what I'm trying to figure out next, but, um, that's the thing. Uh, and I, uh, again, I'm curious to see you guys' questions and thoughts on this whole Rock, Roman Reigns situation. Do you want to see the Rock at WrestleMania or not? Let me know. All right. On that note, it's time for the main event. It's scheduled for one fall for an unlimited time limit. And if you're easily offended, that's a you problem, not a me problem. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again for another stellar edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Let's start this bad boy off in a three, a two, a one. Beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat. Beat, beat, your meat. I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022. We're living in my time is now. My time is right. God damn now. And what intensity. The quality of the product and the quality of the shows is at an all-time high right now. But I do know that it's a real war between AEW and WWE. I'm still cashing fat checks, and I am still banging the hottest bitch in this entire place. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right. <laughs> We're back. Time for another stellar edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW this week. Well, believe it or not, folks, I don't have much to complain about. There's one major thing I will get into and a couple little nicks and crannies here, but um, (laughs) much of the surprise to me, I really don't have much that I want to vent and rave over. Now, am I going to come on here and say that Grand Slam was that itself a Grand Slam? No. <laughs> uh, I thought the show was okay. Uh, there was some stuff that I liked. There was some stuff that I could do without with. But all in all, I-, I thought this week overall was a good week for AEW. I really do. Um, I enjoyed a lot of stuff on the show, and there was other stuff that I didn't. And that's not only just related to uh, what happened on Dynamite last night, but also Collision. Um, I didn't watch much of Rampage because, again, who really watches Rampage? That's what I, it's like asking somebody who watches Impact these days. You know, <laughs> just being honest. Uh, so let's 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 start with the good stuff, and then I'll get into the crap as tradition here on the podcast that hoots. <laughs> uh, what the hell is wrong with AEW said with positivity and everybody thinks I hate AEW but uh, nonetheless let's uh, let's continue on here okay this is what I want to start off here I thought it was a very good week uh, for the women's division as a whole for AEW I thought you know some really good matches obviously uh, Jade's last match with Chris Statlander got a lot of re- uh, good reviews so I thought that was good uh, uh, Chris Statlander also had another good match on on uh, Collision with Britt Baker. I thought that was very good as well. And then we had what happened last night with 
uh, Soraya and Tony Storm, which I thought for my part outside of the main event in the first match was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire show and had the possibility of stealing the show. Uh, the crowd ate it up. Um, obviously, a lot of buzz for uh, Tony Storm and her new character. Um, I, I've been honest that I felt that a lot of her push so far in AEW has been mid, and that's being a little bit too fair to call it mid. I, I, it's been kind of below average, but this shift of this new character that she's been doing for the last couple of weeks and months, uh, it's been really catching my eye. You know, I, I think she's doing a good job with this, you know, Marilyn Monroe-esque character that she's portraying, you know, uh, I put the uh, tweet out last night. I was like, maybe she's been watching some, like the movie "Some Like It Hot" with uh, Jackie Gleason and uh, Marilyn Monroe, and or she has the line now, "Watch, watch for the shoe." In in the movie, they're like, "Watch that corkscrew." <laughs> oh man, I dig it. I dig it. I, I think she's doing a good job with it. It's It's been impressing me. I've been um, enjoying her work so far. And I, I thought the match itself was very good with Soraya. And, you know, Soraya celebrated her first year back uh, in the ring with AEW. And, you know, she's the she's still the AEW Women's Champion. We had outside shenanigans with Ruby Soho, which got in the way of Tony Storm winning the match. But... Uh, I thought the match itself was good. I, I thought Soraya, for the uh, for the most part, uh, since she's returned the ring uh, from the injury, I think she's been carrying herself very well. Uh, the match has been good, and you know, it's it's just like anything with people who are naturally talented at something. Like old old skills um, don't go away, even at times if things are like taken away from you. Old skills never die, and I think that I think that definitely uh applies to Soraya and she's she looks she's looked fantastic in the ring since she's came back. I, I really do believe that. Not only that I gotta call a spade a spade. <laughs> if you're watching the screen, you if you know if you if you know you know. Like she may be the sexiest woman on earth right now. I, I, I'm not even going to front about it. Soraya is on another level right now with the looks and stuff. Holy moly, Dunham shot. <laughs> but that's not the only takeaway from the match. I thought the match is very good. And it's beneficial for the women's division. They definitely could use some uh, sustainability and some steady momentum. So good shit there. Um... Eddie Kingston becoming the new Ring of Honor World Champion, uh, defeating Claudio Castagnoli to kick off the show last night at Arthur Ashe Stadium uh, in in New York. Um, big moment and well-deserved. Um, I had my concerns going into this match because just knowing how AEW goes about things, uh, it definitely would have surprised me if Claudio, Claudio retained last night. But... That wasn't the case. It was the right time, the right moment, and Eddie Kingston got his moment, which is very cool. And that that, that comes with that ultimate question, though, of what's next, you know? And I thought the match was very, very good. Very, very good. And I was just very happy for Eddie to have that moment 
And I don't know if that's the ceiling for him in AEW. But, again, <laughs> uh, I know this is a little bit of a critique here. We'll get into the crap soon. But it's like, me personally, I just don't care about the Ring of Honor brand. I don't. I'm happy for the moment for Eddie for the fact that he got this moment in that crowd in that setting, obviously. And it's been a rivalry going on with him and Claudio for a long while now. But when it comes to like the Ring of Honor brand and Ring of Honor in AEW, I just don't care about it. I just don't. It's just overboard with it. And, and it's bleeding into your flagship shows. And it's, it's like you can't go one episode of Dynamite or Collision without something referencing Ring of Honor. And it's like, who cares about the brand in 2023? It's not good. It's unwatchable. And here's the thing. You could you could put the tag titles on MGF and Ann Cole. You could give the title to Eddie Kingston. But they're not on the weekly shows. And when you watch the weekly shows, they're AEW Dark and Jace. That's what it is. So it's just the overemphasis of Ring of Honor. And now the the righteous are gonna fight Adam Cole and MGF for the tag titles at Wrestle Dream. It's just too much Ring of Honor, man. But then that's the thing I keep saying since the beginning of doing this segment with you guys is that. There's just no identity with AEW. It's just a overbloated fantasy booking promotion. That's what it is. It's a promotion for all your booking desires. That's all it is. Uh, so, again, I'll go back to the positives. I thought Eddie Kingston uh, winning the title was cool. Excuse me. Um, other stuff really quick I wanted to mention. Um... You know, I didn't get to watch much of Collision, but, you know, the stuff with Brian Danielson, obviously, uh, I, I saw that tag match with him and Claudio against um, Ricky Starks and Big Bill. I thought that was a very, very good match. Very good match. Very, very good match. Um, so, um. <laughs> so they're gonna have the Texas Death Match coming up in uh, Collision this weekend. That's why I was laughing because we're gonna get into the excrement impression soon. But um, as I was saying, um, <laughs> I I just wanted to s- tell everybody, you know, uh, seeing that uh, little promo video for MGF with the little kid before he made the entrance, you know, the whole Bret Hart thing. I thought that was pretty hilarious. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then the match with um, NGF and Small Joe was cool. I, I liked it for the most part. I mean, I don't know why you're having table spots right through the floor, right in front of the referee, and that not being counting as a disqualification. But again, when it comes to AW, rules don't matter, and that's what it is with the promotion. So um, I, I didn't understand that. I don't understand how that was not a DQ, but... Um, yeah, that's neither here or there. Uh, but I like the match. Max retained a lot of shenanigans. Uh, unfortunately, Adam Cole got himself injured. And I don't know why he decided to jump off the the ramp the way he did that way. 
Uh, I don't know why they, they just couldn't have Adam come out through the crowd when he was coming back from the hospital. I, I just thought that was a little goofy. It would look better and have more sentimental feeling for Adam Cole to come through the crowd instead of him coming through the gorilla position and running down that big-ass ramp. And now God knows what happened. Hopefully he didn't break his ankle. He went to the hospital, so I hope he's okay, but um, unfortunate. But uh, MJF and uh, MJF retain uh, his AW World Championship. And for the most part, for me, I-, I enjoyed Grand Slam, and I thought it was a good show. And AW's been building some slight positive momentum. There hasn't been too much shows where it makes me want to pull my eyes out, so that's that's progress. But um, all in all, that's the stuff for the stuff that I did like uh, for AEW this week. Now, let's get into the crap. And boy, there's a lot of crap, as uh, Rutter Carter would say. First and foremost, I don't think you guys thought I was going to forget about this, right? Tell me, tell me I did not see Tony Khan. Do that stupid ass dance that Daniel Garcia does after the uh, Grand Slam was over. Please tell me I did not see that. Outside of that, there was a lot of questionable spots on this show. Um, I thought outside of the matches I liked, I, li- I thought the other matches were very sloppy and um, just... Not good. Let's start off with the Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara match because uh, it was the match I cared about the least. I just didn't care. I I get the whole tie-in with uh, WrestleMania 19. By the way, my dad got to go to WrestleMania 19, which is pretty cool. Uh, The Jericho and uh, Shawn Michaels match. Um, The whole gear, the whole post-match deal where Sammy gets Jericho the level. I, I, I get the whole thing. Trust me, I understand my wrestling history, but um, I did not care about the match. I didn't think the match was good. And Sammy aligning himself with Don Callis doesn't make me want to boo him more. I don't care about Don Callis. I sure as hell could give two shits about Sammy Guevara. So why would I care now the fact that they're aligned with each other? And honestly, the fact that Chris Jericho, just Chris Jericho still carries this up as a heel why would why do I care over this feud with Callus and Jericho? Callus can't make up his mind who he wants to feud with. Is is Jericho and Olivier gonna become a tag team to bring down the almighty Don Callus? Who gives a fuck? Like seriously, who gives a rat's ass? Speaking of Jericho. I heard him on Busted Open this week, and, you know, everybody and their mother is predicting that Edge is going to show up in AW now, right? And he's talking about all the possibilities, and, oh, there's only so much left that you can do in WWE. He's done everything that can be done possible. And, yeah, that can be true to a certain extent, but you watch Edge's career, entire career. And you mean to tell me that his last matches and his last programs are going to be in AW just because Chris Jericho is there? Just because, oh, it's different stuff that uh, you could do that you didn't get a chance to do before? 
oh, the fact that we must have Edge and Christian reunite against the Hardys in 2023. Who the fuck wants to watch that? Have, have you guys seen the Hardys wrestle in 2023? Jeff Hardy is a walking cautionary tale. I hate saying that because I'm a fan of Jeff Hardy as a man, as a person, as a performer. But the truth is the truth. He's a walking cautionary tale. You don't know when the next freaking incident is going to pop up. And Matt, it is what it is. I, I, I say the running lip man in jest, but it's the truth. Okay, oh, Edge and Christian and the Hardys are going to have this epic rivalry at AW. And I can see where you tie in the things. And yeah, it can make sense that Edge would work in AW. But at the same time, really, that's where you want his career to end? I don't know about that, man. I was thinking to support whatever he does, but that visually and him ending his career in AW is just, I I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm not saying that he won't show up there. I'm not going to be naive and act like he's not going to be there. But for everybody saying, oh, this is going to be, oh, this is going to be a, a home run edge in AW. And again, we do the cycle again. Oh, somebody comes in for WWE. Now AEW is going to take that next step. Oh, now AEW is going to go to the next level. Stop fooling yourself. Like, seriously. Chris Jericho is a cat machine, and he just can't help himself. So I wanted to address that, too. And then, I guess this is really the crux of what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. That I really wanted to talk about. I I made my jokes about the dead quartz ref Rick Knox and I've done it in jest and rightfully so and I think I've been honest maybe honest to a fall of times when it comes to the officiating in AEW especially with Don Stevens and we can talk about her later but um, there's no excuse for what happened last night in that John Moxley Phoenix match. First off, that match went way too long and did spots around the ring that was unnecessary. Moxley got injured. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of John Moxley, but I don't want to see wrestlers get hurt, let alone the fact that they have to take another pile driver after they're showing that they're injured. You have a responsibility to protect these talents from themselves. And I don't know what the hell Rick Knox was thinking. I don't know if he was thinking at all. The fact of the matter of him, you know, botching that count when Masi's obviously showing that he's hurt and can't continue. You, we just need another spike, spike style power driver for Phoenix. Really? That's what we're doing now. And this is not the first time where Rick Knox has put himself in an unfavorable position where people are hurt and he gets continue on as if nothing's happening. We all know this about with Alex Reynolds. I said it before, obviously, that when it comes to tag team matches, the dead courts ref is basically useless. That's why I call him the dead courts ref. But 
now when it comes to the point where people are getting injured and you're still being incompetent at your job, I I, I don't know where we draw the line of consequences. It's bad enough that your officiating crews make your elite style wrestling look famersham, but the fact when people are getting injured now, I, I just don't, I I I just don't get it. What happened last night with John Moxley was unacceptable and outright embarrassing, to be honest with you. So I hope Moxley's okay, but. They need to do a deep dive, not only on their officiating crew and how they officiate matches, but when it comes to the the importance of protecting their talents from themselves, they need to do a better job of that collectively in AEW because it's, it's becoming a joke. It really is. And it's bad luck, too, that Adam Cole got injured the way he did. So, I'm 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 at a loss for words because it's like it's stupid. The guy can't move his fucking shoulder. Why you Why you stopping the pin? I don't get that. I just don't. So, let's get into the extra impression. Let's get the hell out of here because we I got other stuff to do. Do before we wrap up this uh, podcast this week. All right, let's do the X-Men impression, shall we? All right. Going to lie, tomorrow night on TNT is a two-hour special edition of AW Rampage Grand Slam. Here are some matches we could be checking out tomorrow night. First, we have Mike Satana taking on Boulder of the Iron Sandwiches. From there, we have a trios match. Is Hook, Orange Cassidy, and Chris Statlander taking on the team of Anna Jay, Matt Menard, and Angela Parker. Jake Hager will be at ringside. From there, we have Darby Allen and Sting taking on the team of Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. And from there, it's the six-man tag team match for the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Championships. It's the Mogul Embassy taking on the Elite. Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and Heyman Anna Page. From there, it's a singles match. Julia Hart taking on Chicago's own Sky Blue. And from there, it's a four-way match. And the winner will get a future Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship match at Wrestle Dream. It's the Hardy Boys taking on the best friends against the kingdom, against the righteous. Who? <laughs> and our main event for the AW World Trios Championship is the Acclaim and Daddy S taking on the Dark Orders, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Then from there, we go to Grand Rapids, Michigan on Saturday night on TNT for another speller, a stellar edition of AW Collision. And first, it's a triple threat match for the TNT Championship. It's Darby Allen taking on Luchasaurus and Christian Cage. From there, we have a singles match. Jay White against Andrade El Idolo. From there, Rob Van Dam. Grand Rapids own Rob Van Dam will return to singles action. And our main event is the Texas Death Match featuring Brian Danison and Ricky Starks. More matches be announced at Twitter at, a, at Tony Khan. Get all your AWT tickets right now at awtix.com. That's awtix.com. And on that note, that is another stellar edition of What the Hell's Wrong with AEW. This has been What the Hell is Wrong 
with A E Observer. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right, All right then. Man. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> that concludes another seller edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AW. Now we get to the real main event because there's a lot to discuss here. Oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another edition of the Clown of the Week. Let's. Let's get into this. I'm not clown, 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 clown. You're big clown, 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 clown. One more time. I'm not clown, 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 clown. You're big clown, 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 clown. Before. I pop a blood vessel here. Can somebody with a half a brain tell me what is the objective here when it comes to covering sports teams? What What is the objective of covering sports teams? And what's the objective of being a media member? And what, more importantly, what's the objective of being a competent football team? Here we are, September 21st, 2023. We're entering week three of the NFL season. What, uh, again, what's the national laughing stock of the NFL this year? My beloved Chicago Bears. Bear down, Chicago Bears. We stink the joint up every fucking season. I do my jokes. I do the whole we stinks thing. We already know the Bears suck. I don't need Stephen A. Smith to come on first take and say the Bears are trash. The Bears have been trash my entire life. It's not just the Bears who heard a clown of the week. Obviously, what's going on at Hallis Hall, what's being raided, what's not being raided. Incompetent journalism from John Zogol saying that Charles Tillman... Uh, Helped help the FBI raid Alan Williams' house and that Matt Eberflus cried when he found out the news and all this bull- nonsense and malarkey going on. And then the comments with Justin Fields and the coverage that came out of that. And, you know, the fact it, it gets blown out of proportion, just like everything in Chicago sports, to the point where Ryan Poles has to come out and do a press conference in week three of the season. And everybody's like, oh, man, drama Chicago. Here we go again. Oh, is the coach on the hot seat? 
oh, is, is it going to be the fault again? And, and uh, the offensive coordinator is going to be used as a scapegoat. Oh, are we going to run another quarterback out of, city, out of the city just like we do with everybody else in Chicago? If you're a quarterback in Chicago, you're going to get run out of the city. City. It doesn't matter if you're Kyle Orton. What? Jay Cutler. Why? Rex Grossman. What? Mitch Trubisky. What? And now Justin Fields. Now people want to run Justin Fields out of the city. Not to come on here and tell you to tell you that I told you so, that I projected that Justin Fields was going to be a failure in the Bears. No. What I will tell you that I told you so is that it doesn't matter who's under center when you have an incompetent organization. And it's not just football related. It's what you allow in your building. Do we have any standards in this city in who we allow to cover the team and get press credentials? Do we have any merits? Do we have any standards? The fact that you allow guys like Jason Leisure and Danny Weederer and fucking Mark Potash coming season after season after season after season, knowing that these piranhas want to stir up shit every fucking season. Every season. It's the same three guys. Oh, we get a hit piece on Mitch Trubisky during the middle of the 2019 season where coaches are saying, oh, he can't read defenses. Oh, Mitch can't do this. Oh, Mitch can't do that. And uh, here comes comments out of yesterday's show not yesterday's show yesterday's press conferences with justin where justin's being honest with himself and taking accountability by the way that the media the bears media bears beat core just chooses to neglect to ignore justin taking accountability for his poor play and saying outright that he needs to be better and taking the leadership of the fact that you clowns don't have the ability to put full context into the shit that you put in your little Twitter threads. I don't speak on this as much because, again, I'm in I'm in the position where I don't want to burn bridges with people. I respect the the grind and hustle that comes with being a journalist and a media member. I respect the game. I do, and I respect the people who've been doing this for a long time. What I don't have respect for is people taking shit out of context and doing salacious nonsense so they could get clicks and feel as if they're reporting matters when they really when it really doesn't. What I don't have respect for is the stuff that Dan Weederer does and the, the stuff that Jason Leisure asked during these press conference where he's so so smug and so arrogant to anything anybody's answering to his ignorant ass questions. I've never seen an organization be more dictated by the media core than the Chicago Bears. And it's a fucking joke. And Kevin Warren, if you're watching this, you need to put your fucking foot down and have some stands of who you're allowing in your building. It's not just the McCaskies. It's your show now. You have the right to say who answers your building. 
I don't care if they work for the Chicago Tribune or the Sun-Times. Nobody cares about the fucking newspapers anymore. They don't. You have a right to say no to people and hold people accountable for their shitty job. The fact that guys like Dan Wiederer and J- Jason Leisure and all these other guys continue to get away with stirring shit that this becomes albatross and because these firestorms during the middle of the season. Uh, what was it a couple years ago where Matt Nagy was reportedly going to get fired before the Thanksgiving game with the Lions? And all this other nonsense that could come from the past. No accountability. No, there's no. There, yeah, we have to hold the players and coaches accountable because we are fans are tired of seeing in that football my entire life and the fact that they haven't won a freaking Super Bowl since my dad was 11 years old. I wasn't even born yet. Was the last time the Bears won a Super Bowl, I was. I was 12 years old when the Bears got their ass kicked by the Colts in that Super Bowl in Miami. You don't think I'm frustrated? You don't think I'm at my wit's end when it comes to the Bears being an inept franchise and being the laughing sock of the NFL when they're supposed to be the charter franchise of the NFL? You don't think I'm tired of seeing my favorite sports team in the entire city be made to look like jackasses every season? Don't you think I'm tired of shuffling quarterbacks and head coaches and general managers every three seasons? It's not just ineptness that comes from the organization. It's everything surrounding it. Who you allow in your building to ask these questions? How the hell do we have to have standards with the football team if you don't have any standards of who you allow in your own damn building? And you get, you get in this defense mode where you don't want to open up because you don't want to become the villains of the media. Where you won't allow your head coaches to call out reporters for their bullshit where you don't allow the players to be open and honest because you know that the media will turn it against them and use that against them where it doesn't matter what you say. Everything you say is nitpicked to the fine tooth comb. I understand how this industry works. I do. I know the ugly side of this industry too. And I know there's snakes out there because I listen to them in every scrum that goes on. I'm not coming here and telling you what you don't already know about the Bears, the fact that we haven't had an offense my entire fucking life. I don't need to tell you that, oh, we have issues with quarterback, and we have issues with play calling. Guess what? Water is wet. I don't need to tell you what you already know. How are we going to ever take the next step if we don't, Evaluate what's inside our culture and what are you allowing to sit through your franchise? Have some goddamn balls and some pride for the love of God. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? The fact that schmucks like Dan Weederer and Mark Potash and Jason Lee are still allowed to go into these scrums where you don't allow your head coach to defend himself is a freaking clown show. 
How can you expect your players to respect your coaches when the coaches allowed the fucking media to walk all over him? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to act like Phil Emery and take issue with everything the media says. But if you're noticing something that's going on that's trying to divide, divide that's going on inside your locker room, you have within all your right to call people out on their own bullshit. It's okay for them to come in and call out you and your, the, the poor job you're doing, but you can't return the favor? You can't do that? Oh, you're scared of the media? You're scared of backlash? When the same people are going to talk shit about you regardless of what you do? You could be 12-1 and one and you're still going to deal, deal with the same dumbass questions that we get year in and year out from the same media core. Where's the media literacy? Where's the standards and the people you allow inside your building? A, a charter franchise dictated by measly reporters who are halfway decent at their jobs. That's all I got to say about that. Do better. Kevin Warren, if you're watching and listening, hear the passion in my voice because I'm sick of this shit, man. Own up to what you're doing. And it doesn't even have to be public. It doesn't have to be public. If you want to handle these issues within these reporters within your own private rights, more power to you. But at some point, you need to put your fucking foot down and not tolerate bullshit where people are trying to divide things from your football team. There's one thing from having valid questions and valid criticism over the stuff we see on the football field. I'm not telling you that you can't have a negative question or a question where things are going with the direction of the football team. But when it comes to the point where people are asking things, just trying to get the, hey, I got you stuff, you need to call that shit out and nip it in the bud. And the same thing applies to you, Matt Eberfus. And I, I'm Ryan Poles, this applies to you too. Because you three are the tone centers of your franchise. We can't rely on George McCaskey to put his foot down against reporters because he scared them. And I want to applaud Justin Fields for having the balls to call the, the media reporters back towards his locker room yesterday after the bullshit that was going on before practice yesterday. I watched that press conference live. He was not going out of his way to tear down the entire coaching staff. He took personal accountability and said he needs to play better, point blank, period, and saying the stuff that he wants to do. I've had enough of this shit, man. It's just frustrating. I watch the team, I want to enjoy. Football. Football's my favorite sport. The Bears are my favorite team in the city besides the White Sox. And every year, we have to deal with the same stuff, let alone the bad play that we see on the field. Every season, more drama. Oh, this coach is on the hot seat before the bye week. Oh, it's the general manager on the hot seat. Oh, who's the next quarterback that we're going to run out of the city like you guys did with Mitch Trubisky? 
like that sabotage piece that him and Rich Campbell did during the 2019 season. Freaking pathetic. Pathetic. Nonsense. Nonsense. All right. Let me do my picks for uh, week three and we're going to wrap it up here. Seriously, I've never seen a franchise more dictated by what the media says than Chicago Bears. It's a freaking joke. It's it's outright embarrassing, to be honest with you. So, let's check this out. I'm going to give you my picks for week three, and I'm going to go from uh, the confidence pool here I have on ESPN. So, um, I picked the 49ers. They're up right now 23-12 to 12 in the fourth quarter against the Giants. Um, I had the Chiefs over the Bears. Um, I got the Jaguars beating the Texans. I got the Ravens over the Colts. Cowboys beat the Cardinals. Hate to see that Trayvon Diggs got uh, knocked down for the year with the torn ACL. That hate seeing that. Never want to lose top players like that during practice. That sucks. Um, I got the Bills over the Commanders. I got the Dolphins over the Broncos. Lions over the Falcons. Bengals over the Rams. Eagles over the Bucks on Sunday Night Football. I had the Seahawks over the Panthers. I'm, I'm going with the Raiders over the Steelers. Uh, shout out to my boy Adam Daly. Um, I got the Patriots over the Jets. I got the Titans over the Browns. I got the Vikings over the Chargers. And then I got the Packers in an upset over the Saints uh, in Green Bay. So those are my picks for week three. And on that note, we're going to put a ribbon on the bow for this week's episode. I want to thank you all for hanging out with me this week. Uh, it's a fun episode. And I appreciate the support and love that you guys give the show each and every single week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, make sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel here on YouTube. Uh, not only you never miss an episode, uh, you can find out old previous editions of the Hoots Podcast and we appreciate the support. Uh, don't forget, we're on the road to 1,000 subscribers. So if you can subscribe to the show and share the show with your friends, it would really help us out a lot. And if you want to watch the, if you want to listen to the audio version of the podcast, <laughs> I don't blame you. You don't want to see this ugly buck anyway. Uh, you can uh, check out the podcast uh, on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast from. It's free of charge. And um, make sure to check it more on Spotify. That, help, that also helps expand the reach of the show as well. And also, um, don't forget to check out my work at WrestlingHeadlines.com where you can see my transcripts of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Uh, don't forget to be the authentic product that is yourself. Remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. I love you guys. Don't forget, starting next week, we're down to 20 more episodes before we reach episode 400 of the Hoots Podcast. So, I'm Joshy. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the football. And uh, talk to y'all next week. Uh, yes, sir. Bye-bye, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>